I just can't believe we're in 2019. It's always a really fun transition for me. And I always kind of get serious about what does God want for us. I know it's in, technically it's just another month, another year. But there's something wonderful about saying, I want to give it a fresh start. I like doing that. I'm doing that personally this year. But I also want to challenge you. For years, I've typically taken the first two or three weekends of a new year and sort of done a state of the church kind of thing. Um, it's just this vision for 2019. What are we going to do? How are we going to live it out? And God just kept pouring into me these three words that kept coming to me. Everything I read and and prayed about and thought about ended up somewhere in these three words. And that was what you saw in your program today. Pray, give, go. Just say those words with me, would you? Pray, give, go. Those words have big ramifications for a church. Because we should be doing all three in a significant way. Every church should. But then when you look at them technically and you go, pray, how am I going to preach a sermon that hasn't already been preached 10,000 times on prayer. Because that's the challenge that I have. So I'm going to dive into to trying to talk with you a little bit about what prayer is and how we can increase our need for prayer and our love for prayer today. So here's what I did with our team. I, I surprised them one chapel morning. We have chapels on Wednesday and our staff joins us in the youth center over here and and I, I, they knew the Pray, Give, Go because for months we've been working on this. <laughs> and so I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide into groups of four. So I divided them up into corners of the room. And I said, I want you guys to go find a place in the building. And for ten minutes, I want you to work on a cheer or a chant that has Pray, Give, Go in it somewhere. Okay. I said, I want it to be 10 or 15 seconds max. I don't want some long thing. Just pray, give, go. So, so they shuffle off to their spots, and I hear laughter and singing and all kinds of stuff throughout the building. And they all gathered back together, and uh, I had them one group at a time go to the front and present their cheer. Now, what you're about to see is very unrehearsed. But it does have a renowned videographer named Derry Northrup. <laughs> and these are powerful videos that will move you. So, so just know that this is Pray, Give, Go, four different versions that they created in a few minutes. I think you're going to enjoy it.
give it a go. Pray. Give it a go. Pray. Give it a go. Pray. Get on your knees and pray. Get at your phone and pay. Get on your feet and go. There was uh, some different uh, language uh, barriers at our church, clearly. And uh, we just wanted to make sure that everybody was included. So our side is Spanish, their side is English, and both of us are doing sign language because that's what you can do with your hands. Okay. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yep, ready. One, two, three. That was a lot of set up for not a lot, but that's it. <laughs> Give him a hand. Wasn't that fun? Oh. <laughs> so, so here's the challenge I have for you in the next two weeks. If you have kids or grandkids or a family or a pet that you want to do a pray, give, go cheer and video it, send it to us. All right? You may see it on the screen at some point. So it just has to be short. That's all I'm asking. So let's have some fun if you want to get creative. I love Jonathan's line, our, our video guru. He says, get on your knees and pray. Get out your phone and pay. Get on your feet and go. <laughs> I just love that. Well, as we talk about prayer today, I thought it would be fitting for us to do something that is familiar to some and very unfamiliar to others. Some of you did not grow up in this tradition, but I really want us to say the Lord's Prayer together because it's something that Jesus taught us to pray, and I want you to see the simplicity of it and yet how profound it is in some of his thoughts. So I want you to join me and just say this. The words will be on the screen to help us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. When Jesus prayed that prayer, it stunned a few people because it wasn't, I want you to notice, it wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't a prayer where he got on his knees and prayed it. There was no importance of posture. He did not fold his hands as far as we know. Prayer has been turned into so many different things that so many have ceased to pray. And today I want to turn it all around. I want to come at this from an angle that maybe you have not come to prayer before. And there's one promise that I want to make you for this weekend, next, and the next with Pray, Give, Go. I'm not going to just stand up here and say, pray more, give more, go more. That's a guilt trip that you don't need. And the truth of it is, I want to invite you into prayer and giving and going because it's the heart of God. And you're already doing these things. But how can we prepare our minds, our bodies, and our spirit man to receive these 
admonitions from God to move into these exercises in a meaningful way. So I've put them all in the form of a question. There are five important questions for 2019 as it relates to the topic of pray. And I want you to follow along if you have them. They're very simple and some verses to go with it. The first one is, do I have a future? Do I have a future? I want you to ask that question of yourself right now. Just say it in your mind. Hopefully you said yes. You answered it yes. And hopefully you believe you have a future. Because you do. Jeremiah 29, 11. Look at this. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for calamity. To give you hope and what? A future. To give you hope and a future. Why would this point need to be made and how does it connect with prayer? Well, think about it. Prayer is about the future. Almost all prayer, we say things like, I'm praying for you that you'll do well tomorrow. Future. I'm praying, I've been praying for that doctor's appointment that you have coming up. I will pray for you next Tuesday when this happens. Or we pray things like, Lord, show me your plan today for my life. Future. Help our family, Lord, as we come together. Future. Lord, would you do a miracle in this person's body? They need it. Future. Please help me. Give me peace as I go into this job interview. Future. See, prayer will not change the events of your past, but it will impact the events of your future every time. That's why we pray. Now, I do realize that prayer can be this moment in just relationship with God. So it can be the now, but it's rarely the past. As a matter of fact, I've tried it. It, You can try it sometime if you want. In high school, I think one time I prayed, Lord, could you change that C to an A on the test I took last week? But God didn't do it because it's not retro. (laughs) Prayer is about the future. That's why it's very important that we live in a position where we believe we have a future. Now here's the whole point. If you do not believe you have a future, you will have no desire to pray. I've been around people who have lost hope and they say things like, well, it's just over, it doesn't matter, this world's a mess, I don't care anymore, I don't even know if there's a God. Guess what? They will not be people of prayer. Because when you lose a sense of hope for your future, you will stop praying. Because there's no purpose in prayer. That's why I'm here today to help you see that you have a future that is ordained by God. You know, people say to me sometimes, well, don't you know what's happening in the world? Look, I don't want to put my head in the sand and be ignorant. Don't you know what's happening in our economy? Don't you know what's happening? Don't you know we could have a world crisis any moment? Yes, I do, but I'll tell you something else I know. I know God. I know God. And I know a God who has a plan for a future that we don't know about. Therefore, I trust the plan that I don't know about that God has rather than the plan that I don't know about that I think I have. Amen? So this becomes very important in our lives to recognize that our future is connected to the hope that we have when we pray. That's why Scripture says things like, 
carry on. You know, persevere, press through, keep going. Hope for a future. Number two, am I cared for? That seems like a silly question. How is that connected to prayer? How am I cared for? I want to ask you that question today. Do you feel cared for as a human being? Because you are. And I want you to feel cared for. Lamentations chapter 3. Great passage. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. You're cared for. Listen to this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is that passage of that great hymn. If you know the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, came out of this passage. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. You are cared for. This idea that God does in fact care for me helps me to have hope. What, what happens in your life when you genuinely feel cared for? What type of emotion comes into your life? And I'm not talking about romance here right now. Matter of fact, let me just, let me just really back it up. You walk into a restaurant at your anniversary and you just want a good table. And you say to the, the hostess or host, you say, it's our anniversary, you guys don't take reservations, but we would love a great table. Their response can either make you feel cared for or ignored. They could say, oh, what anniversary is it? I'm going to find you the best table I can. Just give me a few minutes and you're going to feel really cared for. Or they could say, look around, we're really busy. We'll fit you in if we can. And how are you going to feel then? Listen, neither response costs more or less. It's simply caring for. When you care for somebody, it changes everything. It can be a server at a restaurant, and they just notice. They just care in the whole meal. You just feel cared for. A, a salesperson who cares about your needs, not theirs, and they're interested in you. It just changes everything. A doctor explaining the diagnosis of your health. I've been in a lot of settings where doctors are telling people they have six months to live. And I'm telling you, there's, and I thank God for our medical community at Timberline. We have a lot of uh, medical people here. Thank you guys for being sensitive and caring for people. Because I've been around a few, not very many, thank God, that are just so factual that it comes across cold. Yeah, basically the facts show you have about three to four months to live, and uh, this is what you can do to take this and this, and I'll see you next week. Or you can look that person in the eye and say, this is sad news, and this is tough, and this is, this is what we, we are going to try to do. And it, it, it's the difference of night and day. It might be the same outcome, but caring makes the difference. I have a great example in my wife, Bonnie. She cares for me. And, and I'm, not a, I'm not a frilly kind of guy that needs to get into deep conversation about my feelings. I'm really not. I work at it. I promise. I try. But, uh, but you know, she'll say to me, something's not quite right. Tell me, tell me a little more about that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of bugging me. I just, this happened and it's annoying. And blah, blah, blah. But I'm good. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Hoping <laughs> we just could move along. <laughs> and she'll say, well, can I ask you a couple questions about that? Yes. <laughs> Why? Because she cares for me. She cares. And when you feel cared for, all of a sudden, you want to be with a person who cares for you. God 
cares, if you know that God cares for you, you're called his son. You're called his daughter. If you know he cares for you, there's going to be a more of a longing to have that, that, that prayer moment. Prayer isn't a thing you do. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Is that possible? That obviously means it's not just an action. It's a mindset. It's the presence of God with me always. It's, it's 24-7 that I am with the Lord and understanding who He is. I want God this year to be the place you feel cared for. I want God to be the place you run to. I want God to be the place where you feel valued for simply being you. Not what someone gets out of you, not how you've been used, but because you are valued as his creation and he loves you whether you love him back or not. Number three, who will guide me? Who will guide me? This is connected to prayer as well. How am I going to have discernment to make good decisions in 2019? Well, this famous proverb, Proverb 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That's an interesting comment. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you. He will show you which path to take. Pause. Listen. Because there are many paths. Why, why would it say it like that? He's going to show you which path to take because there are many paths. The world is offering you a path that God doesn't want you to be on. Does everybody get that? Many of them. And I watch it every year when people run down a path and it's not God's path and they get into a relationship they shouldn't be in. They spend money on stuff they shouldn't have spent money on and they end up in trouble. They do this, they do that. They say this, they say that. They make rash decisions. And it's a path, it's a path that the world has offered them because it feels easier in the moment. And I just want to say, you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to stay on the path. This passage is really good too. That whole trust in the Lord, that little Hebrew word there actually just means to plunge into fully. It's sort of a word picture of the difference between someone running out to the end of a dock and sitting down and putting their feet in the lake versus somebody who just all of a sudden takes off and dives in head first to the middle of the lake. One has their feet in the water. One has completely committed. And I see a lot of Christians who are hanging their feet in the lake. And it's not evil it's just that when you plunge into and you trust in the Lord, you are all in. And when you say, God, I am all in with you, that's when his guidance becomes so powerful. I was, this has been quite a while back, but I was a part of a conversation in a, a group that wasn't necessarily a God group or anything at all. And, uh, and someone said, well, I try to let my conscience be my guide. And and someone else looked at me at the table knowing I'm a pastor, and they said, isn't that a proverb or a psalm or something? And, and I said, well, I, kind of, I wasn't going to say anything, you know, because I said, no, actually it's, it's a Pinocchio. <laughs> it's Pinocchio. Yeah, Jiminy Cricket. 
And, and they looked at me, no, it isn't. I said, yeah, actually it is. Now, and I know in the show it, it's meant to be, if your conscience is in a good place, then it might be a good guide. You feel okay. No guilt. I get that. But the truth is, that is a horrible statement because you can train your conscience to yield to your selfish desires so that you justify any behavior you want to have. Do all of you know that's true? You can't trust your conscience. That's why this verse says, do not lean on your own understanding. That's why it says that. Because we need a guide. We need a guide. We need conviction of the Spirit. That causes me to want to pray. I, I remember growing up in a wonderful family. I'm so grateful. But our parents wanted us to feel conviction. They wanted us to feel when we did something wrong. They wanted us to have a, a conscientious side of us. And so I usually argued more. I have four sisters with Tammy than I did my other sisters. I don't know why. Love her to death. We've laughed about this for years. But I can remember many times when my mom or my dad would kind of sit us down together and they would say, Jerry, say you're sorry to Tammy. Sorry. Say you're sorry to Derry. Sorry. Now, my mom or dad would say, it didn't sound like you really meant it. And Tammy and I would look at each other like, okay, we're going to say it like we mean it this time, but we'll settle this outside later. <laughs> oh. God wants to be your guide in the decisions on which path you choose. And a guide's important. Bonnie and I had a we had a really special wedding anniversary last year, and we had never been to a certain place that we kind of always wanted to go to, so we planned for it, and, and uh, we, we went, and we decided to, to hire a guide and take a, a hike in the forest and stuff, and it was, it was incredible. But I'm, I thank God we had this guide, because, man, I'd probably still be lost up there in the jungle somewhere if we hadn't had this guide. But a guide gives you three things. A guide gives you direction. And our guide gave us direction. This is the way you go. And I needed that because I didn't know the direction to go. We needed that. A guide gives you information. Along the way, this, this guide would stop and he would say, our ancestors did this and this and this, and they used to be able to eat this, and they built fires out of here, and they did this. And, and it was so fascinating to hear him talk about all the things that their people group did. And then the third thing is instruction. They give you instruction. This is how you survive out here. Do this. Step here. Don't step on that. That has bad stuff in it. You know, so instruction. Matter of fact, there was this one really funny moment for me where he goes over to this limb that had fallen down and he just peels back this piece of bark and it's about this long. And it's only, I don't know, it's less than an inch wide, maybe half or three quarters of an inch. And then he strips it in half and so it's a quarter of an inch. It's this wide, and it's thinner than a dime. It was just a nothing. And he said, this bark, this bark right here is so tough, my forefathers made ropes with it. And if you braid three of these together, it literally cannot be broken by any human being. You can pull up trees with it. And I'm like, come on. So he, he told us all this. Then he kind of throws it on the path, turns around, keeps walking. Bonnie turns around and is following him. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I did. I put my, I wrapped it around this hand. I wrapped it around this hand. And I'm like. <laughs> ah. 
I was, I was, I was like, I tried everything. And I'm like, Bonnie, this won't break. She's like, that's what he said. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's why he's our guide. Is that's what he said. And if we lean not to our own understanding and we lean on him, we can trust him. Let's make sure that we are seeking him. Number four, how will I live with purpose? It's going to be much easier to pray if I have purpose in my life. It's an overused word, but it's a powerful word. And I want to read from Philippians 3.13. Let go of what has gone before and press on to what is ahead. What, what a great statement. Brothers and sisters, Paul is saying this to the church in Philippi. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but there's one thing I do. It's just like Paul. He says, one thing I do, and then he gives us a whole bunch of things. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Living with purpose requires just a few things. I'm just going to list these real fast for you. It requires letting go of the past. We immediately go to the mistakes, don't we? Did you? Oh, I I need to forget that. I messed up back there. I got to forget that. I got to move on. We immediately go to the mistakes, and that's good. We have to forget those. We can't let that guilt hold us back. But we need to let go of some successes, too. You know know why experienced believers who've walked with God for years lose their faith, lose their saltiness? Because they've already climbed five mountains and they're just not really ready to take on another one. They have some stories of success, some miracles happened, they prayed and it took place, and there's not a lot of hunger to go to the next field. And I'm telling you, that kills churches like Timberline. We have so much success behind us in a world sense, and I don't measure it that way, but I'm just saying We could sit here. You know why I don't bring you all the time all these stats and all these numbers and everything? We did this and we gave this and we, oh, wow, look at us, look at us. Because it's over. It's over. Is it important? Yes. Is it powerful? Yes. But we are going forward. We can celebrate the past. We should. Jesus, God taught us that in the Old Testament. But I want to stand before you this year and say, there's some new ground to take for Timberline Church. There's a vision God is calling us to, and we're going to take it. Because there are still people in our city that don't even believe there is a God. And that's not okay. Amen? I know you agree. I know you believe it with me. That's why I'm going to be praying. That's why as a church, we're going to be praying, straining toward what is ahead. It implies effort and energy. I press on. That's about determination. To win the prize, he says. Don't settle for mediocre. Don't do it. Mediocrity kills it all. Think about what is the passion that God's putting in my life for which God has called me to. It's his plan, not mine. Let me give you one practical thing and we'll move to the last point. Every Wednesday at noon, we're going to have a prayer meeting at Timberline Church in the youth center. It's right on the east side of the building and we're inviting all of you to come any Wednesday you can. 
if any. Some of you work and you'll never come all year. Take out your phone right now. I've already done it on mine. Set Wednesday noon and put a little timer on there to make your phone ding and you just take two minutes and pray for your church and the people in your church and for our city every Wednesday at noon. I've asked our pastoral team. We've already set it up for the year. I'm leading, I'm leading the prayer this Wednesday back in the youth center. I'm, I'm inviting you to come. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to preach a two-hour sermon. That, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> See, that's what usually happens. I'm going to lead a three- or four-minute devotional. It's going to start exactly at noon. And then we're going to give you two or three things to pray over if you want that. And then we're going to just release you to go pray wherever you want. You can pray in the building. You can walk through here. You can do whatever you want. Just pray. We're not going to corporately stay together. We're just going to separate you to pray. But we're going to have a focus in the beginning. And then we're going to pray. And we're going to do that every Wednesday for the rest of this year. And I invite you to come. If you can't be here, no problem. Set it on your phone and just pray. Number five, can I live with peace? Is it possible? To really have the peace of God in my life? This is very important because if I'm at peace, then it draws me toward prayer. How? Well, let me just read this. In Philippians 4, it says, Do not be afraid about the what? The future. Instead, give everything over to God in prayer Don't worry about anything, but in all your prayers, ask God for what you need. Always asking Him with a thankful heart. In this passage, there are four things. There are two don'ts, and there are two do's. (laughs) Okay? Let me give them to you. There's two don'ts. Here's what they are. Number one is don't be afraid. Super important. Don't be afraid. Second don't, don't worry. Don't be afraid, and don't worry. I'm telling you, if we can just get those right, that's, that's huge. What are the do's? There's two do's. <laughs> Sounds funny. Two do's. <laughs> ask God what you need. That's one of the do's. It's very simple. Just ask God what you need. Don't be afraid. Ask him. The second do is ask with a grateful heart. Why? Because there's something about gratitude that gets God excited. constantly live with this gratitude in your heart that you're still breathing and you have a future. That's what God wants. Now, I'm going to close by doing something that I don't want you to get confused about it. I'm not using some Eastern mystical religious stuff. The Bible talks about meditation. It talks about experiences, the Proverbs, Psalms, and it's wonderful. And I've done this for years at different times in my life where I use my hands as just a symbol You don't have to do this if you don't want to, but I invite you to just maybe pick one hand. We're going to use both hands for two different things, but I'm going to pick my right hand. And I want you to just fold your fingers over your palm. Not a fist, but just kind of fold like you're holding something in your hand. And I want you right now to just close your eyes and say, Lord, what are the... Matter of fact, you probably don't have to say Lord. What are the top two or three things that stress you out? And I want you to just visualize putting those in your hand. What are they? What are those things that, man, it just always stresses me out. I'm so tired of that. I can't, money, people, whatever, whatever. Just, I'll just stop talking. You just put those in your hand for a second. 
these are the things that worry us, Lord. They bring us stress. We know that you're with us. But we're going to give these to you. We know that we're still going to face them. They're not going to go away. But the stress can go away. You've said not to worry. So we're going to offer the worry of these things to you. And remind us of this moment early in 2019 when we said, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to face it. I'm going to have a plan of action. I have to do that, but it's not going to wreck my day. Now I want you to just open your palm slowly and just let it go to God. That worry, that anxiety, we give it to you, Lord. We trust you. We thank you. With your other hand, I want you to open it up, palms up wide. And I want you to pray this. Lord, what do you want me to treasure this year? What, what is it that you would put in my heart to love and to cherish and to enjoy? What will bring me peace and relaxation and a good kind of pleasure in my life. And I want you to just wrap your fingers around that as he gives you some things that it could be your family, your kids, grandkids. What, what are your treasures? Just go ahead and don't, don't close your hand around it, but close your fingers over your palm like you did before. And let's say this prayer together. Lord, these are the things we cherish that you have put in our hearts. Show us how to have time for these, energy for these, investment for these show us how to make this a priority because it makes you smile these are things that are valuable to you that's why you want them to be valuable to me we give these to you and may we treasure these things like Mary pondered in her heart all these things we treasure these things this year and we are grateful that we have them as a part of our life in your name Amen.